Yeah. Like, first of all, what's sports PR? Secondly, you work for an NBA team. Thirdly, you're not a nurse. They couldn't even imagine what my role did or whatever. I had a very real moment where I looked at the paper and everybody was a white male. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So, like, at that moment, it was like I immediately discounted myself from, like, removed myself from ever even thinking I could work in sports, in sports marketing. Sweet. Okay. So I'm here today with Abby Albino, and we're in Toronto at your office. So can you start off by just like telling me a little bit about yourself? Yeah. yeah. Um, so my name is Abby Albino, as she said. Um, I, right now I work as an account manager for Nike Sportswear. Born and raised in Toronto, super big basketball fan, a sports fan, music fan. Yeah, just thir- I'm 35 years old. <laughs> yep, huge fan of basketball and music. And really, that has kind of been the thread my whole life and was really lucky to kind of make uh, a career out of those, my love for those two things. Totally. Can you speak a bit about how you kind of got to this point today in terms of your path? My, my career tra- trajectory, um, it's a little bit uh, unconventional. It wasn't like, hey, this is what I want to do yeah. and then did it. Yeah. It was more so I had no idea what I wanted to do. I remember, you know, wh- knowing I wanted to work in sport. Like, that was all I wanted to do. Whether it was, like, playing in the WNBA or, like, figuring out how to work for the NBA one day. And uh, always had that in the back of my head. And then once I started to look into it, I had to do a project in grade 10 where you research people that have jobs that you want. So I did the research. I, like, looked into it. And then I had a very real moment where I looked at the paper and everybody was a white male. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So, like, at that moment, it was, like, I immediately discounted myself from, like, removed myself from ever even thinking I could work in sport, in sports marketing. Because mm-hmm. it seemed so far-fetched. There was nobody that looked like me in the role I wanted. So, I kind of just, like, put it on the back burner, just, like, forgot about it. Um, and then went to school for business, as you do, because that's the, that is the safest thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I went to school for business. Thought I wanted to get into HR. Um, also toyed with the idea of becoming a nurse, toyed with the idea of becoming a lawyer and all these things that, you know, when you're young and your, your parents are talking about careers, I think very safe, very stable. And then, you know, went to school, did the thing, got out of it. And I was like, wow, that wasn't a waste of time. Like happy I did it, but I definitely don't want to get into HR. It is not a thing I want. I feel zero passion towards it. I liked training people. I like the people aspect of it. So I think that's kind of where I thought I wanted to do. So I left that, get dicked around for a long time, like just traveled, worked in bars, bartended, 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 served, was like, maybe I'm going to get into restaurant management. Maybe this is like my calling. Maybe I should just work in hospitality. And then... And you did this all in Toronto. All in yeah. Toronto. Yeah. Uh, moved around in Canada a bit. Worked. I used to... I did work in Jasper, okay. um, Alberta for a little while um, in the restaurant there. Yeah. So one day... This is like the best fortune, like the best luck I've had ever because uh, it really like changed everything in my life was I walked into work after like going snowboarding, full gear, snowboarding gear. Yeah. Bumped into some of my regulars that were leaving the bar because I was just going to check my schedule. Mm-hmm. I bumped into them and they were like, whoa, are you snowboarding? I'm like, yeah, like I snowboard. And they're like, this is perfect. We actually need, they, were, they worked at Subaru. Mm-hmm. Um, they needed a Subaru girl who was Asian and who could be part of 
campaign they were doing they needed somebody who would like live and breathe like the whole get outside campaign Mm -hmm. so they're like you legitimately look perfect for this role like and you're doing it (laughs) and you're then you are that person so like would you want to be a brand ambassador and I was like yeah absolutely cool something to do and like I like you guys I'm down so I did so through that role I actually ended up meeting um their PR agency and their PR kind of like team found out about PR and I was like I thought PR was like just the hills like planning parties yeah, and yeah, publicity yeah. and stuff that like was really surface <laughs> level stuff yeah, that like yeah, I yeah. just wasn't into <laughs> and then talked to him and he was like I think you'd actually be really good at PR do you like writing I was like I love writing do you stay on top of current events and I'm like yeah like I'm obsessed with news like I yeah. legitimately am obsessed with the news um and he's just like I think you'd actually be really good at it and this mm-hmm. is at a time when PR wasn't necessarily considered one of the mainstreams of yeah. uh, business um which I was pretty lucky. So there was a really competitive program I got into and it was like that moment changed everything. Once I got into PR, I noticed that like I felt really like Mm -hmm. happy to be there and like I was really passionate about, I mean, it sounds super nerdy, but I was passionate about PR and promoting things and really Mm -hmm. like breathing life into a story. Mm -hmm. And then thankfully, MLSE, so the company that owns the Toronto Raptors, Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto FC, and Air Canada Center, or which is now called Scotiabank Arena. Oh, is it? Yeah. Really? They, they switched the name. It's oh, man. real weird. Um, but yeah, so they were looking for a PR assistant yeah. and got that job. And immediately I was like, this is like the longest like route around and there's so many detours, but like I like made it to sports and to yeah. sports marketing. And it was That's like- That's crazy. And it, yeah, it was awesome. And like, I kind of was like- and I looked around and everybody was a white male and I was like, yep, this is, this is what it is. But like, as soon as I got in, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving this up. Like yeah. I'm sticking, I'm sticking around. So, um, I felt really fortunate in a lot of like happenstance and it was very much so like the universe being like, you, this is what you're supposed to do. Just like, it took a little longer than mm-hmm. expected, but yeah, like it's, it's figured itself out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's awesome. No, yeah. that's actually like, I love hearing a story like that. Just like seeing what you ultimately ended up wanting yeah. to do just kind of full circle came sure. came together at the yeah. end. That's so funny that you say, I mean, I can only imagine that, yes, a space like that is definitely white male dominated. What was that like? Uh, I guess you're still with them, though. Is that no, correct? Oh, so you're no, not. no, no, okay. I'm not with. Um, so I left MLSE last April. Okay um april 2018 yeah yeah um what was it like to be in a be one of the only like probably women and people of color in the room it was interesting it was um a lot of it was trying to prove my worth almost or value as a pr professional or somebody that could sit at the table and knows about sport so i mean mlse does a really great job of hiring diverse people uh they truly truly do there's a, I worked with a lot of really smart women, very mm-hmm. incredible leaders. But yeah, I, I was one of the only women of color at the time mm-hmm. when I was hired. And it was interesting. I mean, like, I didn't really, I almost didn't know that I was putting myself in a, like, I really like just, I was like, well, I didn't even know I was a woman of color. I mean, like, it didn't yeah. come across as that. And I didn't realize that I had so many things that, you know, were of value for example, I wouldn't like want to speak up because I would be like, oh, I maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Like these guys have been doing it for years and who am I to say mm-hmm. something? And then I don't know, know when it happened, but then one day I was just like a snapped out of it. And I was just like, I belong here and I do mm-hmm. know a lot about basketball. I do know a lot about entertainment and culture in Toronto. All these guys are like, they've been doing it for so long that it became 
Like they weren't doing anything new. They're almost out of touch with what's yeah. actually like on the ground and what people want to see. And yeah, I yeah. mean, like they definitely knew there was opportunities, and I th- I appreciate that about my boss at the time because he knew that like I would bring the team. I would if they just hired another white male, it would be the same thing forever and ever right. and ever. Yeah. So it was almost like not strategic. Well, yeah, it was strategic for them to actually hire a female of color, um, because I knew that I had different experiences. So, like, for example, the Raptors, like, their demog- their fan demographic, mm-hmm. like, almost 50% of it is women. Mm-hmm. And arguably, the majority of their fans in general are people of color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that was really interesting. So, I brought a lot of, like, just inherent knowledge yeah. from just being who I am and yeah. understanding, like, a consumer mindset from that point of view. Absolutely. So, that was really cool. Um, I definitely did walk into some rooms and to some meetings where I had to prove myself before like I had to prove that I knew what I was talking about before people took me seriously mm-hmm. I also m- was mistaken for somebody's assistant they're like oh is your boss not coming I'm like no I actually I'm the I'm person the boss. <laughs> I'm the person that you're supposed to be meeting with um but yeah so it's yeah. Cer- it was certainly like, like that's so patronizing like it is I mean like it also doesn't help that like I look much younger than I I mean like I mean, that was seven years ago. So, like, I can imagine I must have looked really young to mm-hmm. them. And they were probably mm-hmm. just, like, didn't... Like, they were used to 40-year-old men walking into a room. And they're, like, a, arguably a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Like, wearing sneakers and, like, being, like, me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think for them it was a little bit like, oh, that's interesting. I don't... I didn't think it would be you. But mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was cool that it was. It was mm-hmm. a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it brought you to what you really wanted to do totally yeah Yeah. absolutely for sure and then so outside of work now you also do another organization yeah so it's interesting because I worked in sport because I recognize that I was one of the only women that or small group of Filipinos who worked at MLSE Mm -hmm. and I looked around and I was like these people are so friggin' smart and they're so many of them are making real impact and real change into sport and how sport is viewed in Toronto for example like executive producers of some of the TV shows, some of the graphic designers, some of like our salespeople, like a lot of these people had like such integral roles mm-hmm. within the organization. And I was like, whoa, when I was a kid, I would never have imagined that there would be this many Filipino people working in an yeah, organization. Like yeah. this is fucking dope. Yeah. So I had a girlfriend who also, she's Filipino. She also works, she worked in sport. Um, she did, she sold sponsorships for Canada's largest marathons like million dollar deals, mm-hmm. Filipino, my age, uh, just killing it in her field. And again, she too was one of the only, f- she was the only person of color and female in her office. Mm-hmm. So like, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. So anyway, so she and I went to the Philippines one year, came back and was like, what really stuck with me was when my cousins would tell me or ask me what I did for a living. Mm-hmm. And I would try to explain, I do sports PR for one of the NBA teams. They just are like, dumbfounded yeah because they were like like, what what are you talking about like first of all what sports pr yeah secondly you work for an nba team thirdly you're not a nurse like it was very like they couldn't even imagine Mm -hmm. what my role did or what i would it included but day to day like they just like were so impressed isn't even the word i think they were just shocked yeah couldn't even like fathom like that's a thing yeah yeah they just because for them like it's not that marketing and public relations isn't a thing in the philippines it just seemed so bizarre to them yeah so once that happened like once i understood like had that feeling and i understood that like kind of something's ticked in me where i'm like that's not right like that shouldn't Mm -hmm. be the thing 
came back and talked to my one the, the one girl Rachel about starting an organization just about sports business and Filipinos in sports business because mm-hmm. I thought there was a really cool story because had I been 11 years old and then knew there was somebody that was working in sports for the Raptors and they were Filipino maybe my journey would have been shorter mm-hmm. and I would have known who to speak to and it really is about making those connections of like yeah I can be that person because Absolutely. I can I understand what they went through and, and things like that so I wanted to start a Filipinos in sports business organization just from a mentorship perspective and funny enough and I talk about the universe a lot but mm-hmm. at the same time there were two other groups in Toronto who were doing the exact same thing but from different perspectives so okay. there was a group wanting to do the exact same thing but for creatives in Toronto so photographers graphic designers writers anything to do with the creative fields uh, they wanted to start a mentorship program and then there was another group that was doing it from an overall like professional standpoint so like doctors accountants Mm -hmm. lawyers Mm -hmm. things like that that you need certifications for yeah and really we all had the same focus and same goal so we kind of all started like hearing about each other met one day and then we're like fuck it let's just do this all together so nine of us came together and we started rise which is essentially a mentorship or like it's a nonprofit organization focusing on mentorship and networking that's ideally will like power the next generation of Filipino leaders. That's great. So yeah, so no. we're really really stoked on it. Yeah. No, that's a, that what I appreciate about that is the fact that you all recognize that you had the same goal and mm. instead of continuing your yeah, and continuing your own lane and competing yeah. for arguably some of the same audience. Yep, totally. You combined forces and we're like we're yeah. stronger together. Absolutely. And I think that's the ethos of what we're doing and what Kanya is about and why we're talking to all the people that we are talking to because at the end of the day I think that's what is sort of missing and with Filipino Canadians and Americans I think something that um, Mal and I my co-host are starting to recognize is that there are all these Filipino organizations that are starting to pop off Mm -hmm. like as of lately especially with the Asian American or Asian push for more visibility and representation but there's something that's kind of missing in terms of like a thread that really pulls everyone together so I really appreciate that that's kind of what how rise kind of came to be yeah thank you and and a lot of it too and we talked about it like I don't know if it was similar for you because you grew up in Vancouver yeah um but in Toronto I mean yeah talk about the Filipino community yeah like growing up I mean our parents when they came here it wasn't although Filipinos are mad tight and like we're we always joke of like everybody's our cousin which isn't totally true yeah (laughs) um there was there's Filipinos that came back, you know, in the 80s and the 70s, the late 70s, is, it was a real crab bucket mentality. Not for any other reason, not, no no maliciousness. Mm-hmm. It was that, like, if one person was going to get hired at a job, that means another Filipino person wasn't. And it wasn't, again, like, there was no malin, like, there was no bad intentions. It mm-hmm. was just, like, crab bucket because yeah. we have to survive. There was a huge risk coming. I think about going on a trip to a place where I don't know the language and I get, like, mad anxiety. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how our parents just, like, decided to, like, up and go yeah. to a yeah, whole yeah, other yeah. country without much, with, like, really a lot with them. And on a whim for some of them, too. My parents yeah. had the choice or my mom had the choice of Vancouver and Toronto. And I'm like, that's opposite sides of the totally. country. And the only reason why she ended up choosing Vancouver was she knew one person. Totally. And that was it. And that's yeah. why she chose Vancouver. But I totally could have did the exact same thing out here in Toronto. And Absolutely. that's so many people's stories. So. It's so wild if you think about it. So like for us, like what we really, really, really wanted to focus on and make sure that like was part of our like identity as Rise, the, we're called Rise Tribe. 
but we because we wanted to make sure we were really inclusive growing up again like we you know pnd like filipino national um sorry filipino independence day there would be in my community in mississauga which is kind of part of the toronto gta area there was maybe three or four different organizations putting on pnd parties and it became like well which one are you going to oh you're going to that one like we don't fuck with those people and it became competitive and we were just like that's crazy and growing but and And we're all celebrating the same shit totally (laughs) and it was very like they just didn't play nice together Mm -hmm. because it became that mentality of like crab bucket like started to feed into everything and whether or not you know the older generation agrees with it it's our generation felt it so mm-hmm. we certainly certainly want to make sure that like that is not the case and if we find like we've been really lucky and that you know people have reached out to us and like we want to help and we want to f- figure out how our smaller organization can ladder into your larger one mm-hmm. so we're kind of starting to like almost like become this umbrella organization mm-hmm. for other people who are also doing the same thing and like are you are you an arm of us are you kind of just like mm-hmm. a subsection like how we'll figure it out but like yeah. we want to also do it together yeah prior to you know us starting to record we started talking about community centers and mm-hmm. the fact that there isn't a filipino community center in toronto is wild to me like a proper one that like for people like the jewish community has it the black community has it like yeah we just want we're not trying to reinvent any sort of wheel mm-hmm. we just look at other communities and other cultures and realize that like they have things like set in place. I was totally under the impression that there was one in Scarborough. There is one that's not necessarily like what we're trying to do. Fair. Like more yeah, yeah, more yeah. of like a mentorship, like workshop type of thing. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like a full community center. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many of them in other cultures that totally. like it's, it's crazy to me that we don't have one. And, and there are like some major streets. Like I swear I was walking along Bloor, I think, and there mm-hmm. was like a Korean cultural yeah. center like right there on yeah. the main like commercial strip. And totally. I'm like, the visibility of just seeing that sign yeah. alone, I'm like, you know, if you were to pass by as a not part of that community yet, yeah. you knew that, oh, I can reach out to there. So that alone, like having a physical space in the city is definitely for sure can be a catalyst for a lot of the things that I think sounds like you guys are trying to achieve yeah. out here. And there yeah. was also something I didn't even mention. Um, so another reason why actually Rise started, and this isn't because this is the group that wanted to start the professional arm like when they were like we want to do this for professional like certification kind of roles and careers um they actually stumbled upon this crazy study a crazy study that a york university professor put together and it was about the like filipino youth in canada and how difficult it was for them to find jobs oh interesting it was super interesting so what happened we kind of found out was out of all the visible minorities, Filipinos consistently came in the top three unemployed. Wow. Which we were like, that's a that's hard statistic. Yeah. Super hard. And the second statistic that was pretty jarring was that top five or top, I can't remember. It has to, I have to revisit it, but top three or top five consistently in the top high school dropouts. Wow. And it was really like, that was the kind of like the catalyst for them to start their charity. And once we started to dive in deeper, it was like, it's hard for us to imagine it because, I mean, for me specifically, I come from a fairly, like, I'm middle class. Like, mm-hmm. everybody I know who's Filipino has a job. Mm-hmm. Everybody that I, but we're not looking at the people we don't see. And yeah. that's, those are the people we really want to, like, you know, engage with because mm-hmm. they don't have the network or the connections to fathom working in sports PR. Yeah. So that's, this is, rises at the real root of it all is really just, like, finding this huge population of people and like where are they why are they not reaching out to us it's, we have to go out and find them because 
they don't know that we exist mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we really, like, that study was like, okay. That's eye-opening, actually. Yeah, it was wild. And the third stat was about mental health, and that one I'm not really familiar with because that's, that's a whole other piece mm-hmm. that, like, we just Absolutely. don't have the experience and expertise to even touch that yet. But really, it's about shifting this whole notion that, like, there is a group of Filipino youth out there who just have no understanding of how to even finish school and then figure out what they want to do with their life after and then put that into practice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that's definitely, like, the biggest piece for us. So what are the steps you guys are kind of doing to start to tackle that issue? I mean, networking, the, the biggest, like, the solution of this all is it comes down to networking and mm-hmm. mentorship. Yeah. And making so connections. Are you reaching out to like schools itself and actually yeah. trying to connect that way or yeah. how is that happening? So we are a year official, mm-hmm. two years unofficial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is our third year. So right right now, like a lot of what we're doing is awareness plays. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been really lucky enough to partner with the Toronto Raptors um, and doing Filipino Heritage Nights. So we brought that back, yeah. which is real dope. And like, you know, we sold out all of the tickets that we had available to us and then really tried to like put ourselves in positions where Filipino youth will be like, oh, what's Rise? What is that? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Working with different, putting on different workshops. So we put a, recently we did a photography workshop featuring two Filipino Canadian photographers who like made it big so on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mr. Joe Beasy being one of them and Rob Ong the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a photography workshop. We invited That's great. a select group of people. So we kind of just opened it up on our Instagram mm-hmm. and then we chose we only had 15 spots. We chose 15 people. And we're like, if you wanted to get into photography or maybe you have questions, like how do you, how did Mr. Joe Beasy become Mr. Joe Beasy? Mm-hmm. Um, come out, learn how to, like learn from them. Like we did a photo walk and then it was really cool. They just got to all these 20-ish year olds just asking questions and like trying to figure out like, how did you get to where you are? Yeah. And it was really, really nice to see, you know, Jober and Rob engage with them and like kind of give them pointers not about just the photography but then also to like their personal brand or their business and show them that like it this is a viable lucrative career mm-hmm. a lot of what we hear especially so we do speak to a lot of the university of filipino associations and a lot of what we hear is like my parents just don't think that i could do this mm-hmm. and be successful mm-hmm. not because they don't believe in their child but they don't understand that being a photographer is a career path or being an influencer yeah people make a living out of that yeah now. yeah so it's really about just like it's funny because i had the exact same conversations with my parents and yeah. they're like what do i say to them I'm like to be honest like it's not about what you say today because they're still not going to believe you but now <laughs> you have examples of people who have made it so that's kind of like it's helpful in that sense because before like I didn't have an example of who mm-hmm. was in sports PR that was Filipino and a female. Yeah. I was just like, it's a job. I can do it. So yeah. like, sure, you can it's go right. ahead. Try. Do your best. Absolutely. But now for this generation and when, when we connect them with influencer or a policeman or whatever it is, whatever job they choose that mm-hmm. maybe their parents aren't like 100 percent supportive of, they they have this person that they could be like, this person mm-hmm. has 200,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like they make money every single time they post a photo. Yeah. And that I love that because I think it's so interesting to think of each generation. So thinking to our parents' generation and how we wouldn't be in the positions that we are if they didn't just survive. Totally. To begin with and put us in positions where we could go to school or try to pave our own path in whatever way. But what I really appreciate about the people, like I was saying earlier, our age who are like, 
mid 20s to like mid 30s that Mm -hmm. are starting to really you know get into like positions of power and like using their skills and their influence and their network Mm -hmm. to be able to show and connect to younger generation that hey you can do my job too and like you look like me and you know and having that point of reference and I, I really appreciate that I think I'm sure this is true of many other cultures but I really appreciate that about the Filipino culture and what I find a lot of Filipinos that just value bringing other people up with them Mm -hmm. and I think what's nice is that there's no hostility around trying to like protect what they work so hard to get to and I think organizations like Rise that's what's super needed right now I think for sure no we we definitely are really lucky to be in a time and place where people they want to help yeah. It, like this rise doesn't exist without everybody else mm-hmm. helping like we're nine people but the overall network of people who have been like supporting us and mm-hmm. just being like champions for what we do yeah it has been like the biggest cheerleader you know mm-hmm. what i mean it is it's why we do it like we're we're not doing it for i have a job I'm yeah cool. yeah but like it's it's about everybody else wanting to make sure that that kid gets a job too Mm-hmm. so yeah we're so really super lucky. if i'm listening to this and i'm a professional and in a good position in mm-hmm. in whatever industry and i just heard about rise now what's the best way to support you guys and what yeah. you're doing um really just reach out to us like we have a we have a website which is rise tribe.ca or on instagram mm-hmm. we constantly check our instagram dms because that's how that's the easiest way for people to really get a hold mm-hmm. of us and people are on the phones anyway so it's just like it's very easy yeah definitely so yeah people we're, we've been lucky in that sense and that's how people have been reaching out we actually just got asked to be part of the first ever filipino conference in parliament in ottawa oh wow so yeah so it's called pinoy's on parliament and it's uh the first one ever and they're doing it this year february 23rd and they asked um i'm actually speaking on it Sweet. so like we're really stoked like we were just like that's crazy like we just did this because we were like we figured we want it to grow bigger we want to do this like nationwide eventually mm-hmm. we have like very lofty goals mm-hmm. but yeah like we're real amped for that one yeah that was really cool you have to have lofty goals you yeah. have to you have to think big right? absolutely when, when well, you're really thinking about a lot of this stuff because i, I mean th- the filipino culture transcends just the gta area totally obviously, yeah so. for sure yeah for sure yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, best of luck to all that and definitely going to put everyone on to that, especially any of the friends that I have out here in Toronto. Yeah, we'd love that. Like, yeah. we just get so many people like hitting us up because they want to help. Like, that's the mm-hmm. best part. It's like we've had, you know, accountants be like, do you need anybody to like do your books for you? We're like, yeah, because I can't do math. Like, yeah. <laughs> please help me. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, like lawyers being like, okay, like if you ever need any legal Advice, support, here yeah, like, please hit me up mm-hmm. or you know like random people being like oh i actually know this one filipino that does this do would you ever need that mm-hmm. so we're we're starting to find that like i mean obviously there's filipinos in every industry there's going to be a filipino in there like but now we're finding people and we're finding yeah. we're connecting them to other people and that's it's really what it is so what's it about yeah, yeah we're really really excited about that sweet <laughs> oh, that's great to hear um i want to take it back a little bit to shift over to toronto and, mm-hmm. and your family and yeah. just talking about your relationships so obviously doing something like rise has probably opened up an avenue for you to start talking about your own relationship with your Filipino identity and culture. Mm-hmm. Growing up here in Toronto, were there any points or experiences that you had that were pretty transformative in in that regard in, in terms of whether there were points of shame or uh, mm-hmm. struggles that you had or even just like great moments too that really made you proud of being Filipino? So I wonder if you have anything that comes to mind when, when I say that. Yeah, I mean, 
it's funny because growing up, even though we were part of a pretty like Filipino community, like yeah. we had I had Filipinos everywhere. Mississauga, Mississauga is pretty ha- Filipino. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like it's Mississauga and Scarborough, Scarborough here that has a huge, lot of Filipinos, yeah. right? Yeah, um, it's so funny. <laughs> That's um, what everyone. It's funny. I coincidentally when I was living in Toronto. I lived with two Filipino girls and of course my parents loved that. They're like, oh yeah, they're going to be clean and yeah. they're going to be, we know the culture, like they're yeah. going to be nice. Um, sure. And funny enough, they were from Mississauga and Scarborough. Of course they were. <laughs> That's amazing. So. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like growing up in Mississauga being Filipino, I mean, people knew what Bil- Filipino was. They knew that it was a thing that existed, but mm-hmm. I don't think they knew like the culture. Like even to this day, people are like, what is Filipino food? Mm-hmm. It's such a, even though we've, from an overall perspective of like how long have Filipinos been in Toronto with a presence, we're still fairly young. Mm-hmm. So we're, there's a lot people are still learning. And right now there's like a Filipino food mad trendy right now. Like mm-hmm. there's just spots popping up and people talk, talking to me about Filipino restaurants. And I'm like, how do you even know that exists? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's cool. Um, but yeah, growing up, I didn't necessarily connect with, like I had no idea how much of a impact my culture would have on me later in life mm-hmm. but growing up i was like the one filipino kid or there's a few filipino kids in my school but like all my friends were white mm-hmm. like i didn't have like a huge filipino friend base mm-hmm. until i got to high school and i was like there were so many filipinos oh really yeah. yeah and i was just like that's cool like you guys know what punsit is like yeah. that's dope yeah so then started to really have like have like this like filipino crew and then i don't even know what it was but then then i stopped hanging out with them like then i like yeah. If whatever reason whatever it was reason. just like high school, high school yeah. yeah right so then you know started hanging out with the like and then started dating white guys and like it's funny but like i just never had like a real sense of like pride i don't think mm-hmm. until till now it's like my adult years i always like try to, to figure out ways to like un-filipino myself if that makes sense like yeah not eating rice for because i didn't want not because i didn't want to i didn't like it i just like was like it's too i don't want to like yeah i just like whatever it's me- yeah i spent a month home for it's the holidays so and rice every day like in my parents house and it i was like i definitely gained weight out yeah <laughs> i definitely yeah i going back a few pounds yeah i'm trying to think of my experience growing up in toronto but like really like i was really lucky that i had my all my cousins were here mm-hmm. so i had a huge family yeah so like, but like from a friend's friendship perspective didn't really connect with a lot of mm-hmm. like filipinos on like on a real level like my best friend's filipino but like she was really the only one mm-hmm. people would be like oh my gosh you're so whitewashed and i would say yeah and i wouldn't I would be like kind of proud of twice. that. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, that's dope. Cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just a bizarre thing to, to think now when I like look back on, yeah. on, on how I connected with the Filipino culture. I mean, I did. I didn't. Yeah. In your household though, were you pre- pretty, were your parents pretty Filipino and how you, they raised you like Filipino food all the time or yeah, uh, not all the time. Like my mom definitely like dabbled into like, just like cooking Canadian dishes yeah. or like non Filipino yeah, yeah, yeah. dishes, I should say. By the time they got to me, they stopped caring to mm-hmm. try to teach me Tagalog. There's no chance in hell I could have a conversation right now. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. I could understand it as okay. most Canadian yeah. Filipinos can. But yeah, by the time, because I'm a baby of the family. So by mm-hmm. the time they got to me, they had such a hard time trying to instill it in my sister and my brother that they just didn't care. Yeah. They I've heard bother. that story a lot. Yeah. If, yeah, if the first one and the first few don't pick it up, then yeah. it's harder to push on. For sure. Especially if that's all they're hearing in the household. All you're hearing is English yeah. too. So it's a lot harder. What was their immigration story? So they were the first ones to move the no, whole family or? No. So I'm sure this is a similar story across the board, but my aunt came here first. She was a nurse. And then sent back for everybody, essentially. So my aunt, my mom's, my mom's sister, um, was the real like matriarch of like this whole thing. And it was 
it's crazy. Like my mom comes from a family of ten mm-hmm. brother, like sorry, nine brothers and sisters. My dad is has six brothers and sisters. So like that one aunt like started this whole like huge Movement. move, which is crazy. <laughs> and like here, so my mom was here first, and then went back and like was being courted by my father. <laughs> He was still in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, so but it's funny. They were engaged and they didn't live in the same country. My mm-hmm. dad traveled a bunch, worked in Brunei, worked in different places in mm-hmm. Asia. Uh, he's a mechanical engineer. And then, yeah, my mom was here trying to figure out, like, the next steps. So then they went back to the Philippines, got married, and then they both moved here. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of how that worked. And then mm-hmm. everybody kind of one by Eventually one. Made <laughs> one it all by one, away. they all figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's sweet. So your whole family is out here now. Uh, for the most part. For the we most have, part, we have, yeah. We have, like, some cousins uh, and aunts and uncles that live in the Philippines still, but mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, the majority is here. Do you go back often? Uh, I've been back... In the last four years, I've been back twice. Okay. So, yeah, I yeah. definitely, obviously, with, like, this rise thing... The first time I ever went to the Philippines, I was 14, and I just had zero appreciation for it. Yeah. It was cool. It was like, oh, cool, I'm going away. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, connected to the culture. Yeah. Did you do the month-long thing that yeah. Filipinos... Yeah. They lo- they want to make... Full month. And it yeah. was cool. I mean, I also just didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I wish I could do that trip now. I think it would be way different. Mm-hmm. But so the first time I went back in a long time was in 20, 2016. Mm-hmm. And that's when we got home and we're like, we need to start something. We need to figure it out. Right. Because... We are. We, I was like in love with the Filipino culture. Like I'm obsessed with it now. Like I just want to learn everything, like history, why we do certain things. Like was looking into the spoon and fork decoration. The reason why we have those on our wall was like a, it was a sign that that family was not savage. Savage being like because you would eat with our hands first. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. After the colonization, they brought in cutlery, and so it's actually like even though it's beautiful for most of the time like yeah. leave it to the philippines to like show this massive piece of like colonization on yeah. the wall that like oh, do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but like and make it beautiful but like it was one of those things i like like i see a big spoon and fork and i'm just like i i love that mm-hmm. but then when i found out the reason for it i was like that's weird yeah you know to be proud i that, totally you know, have one in the house or in my parents house yeah. so yeah and, and, I think and people don't think twice about asking like why is it that yeah. we and, have those and that's, things that story was just like what that's a bizarre way to like show that you're better than other people and it was mm-hmm. like all right i guess but like it just become tradition and i think that like our culture because it's made up of so many other cultures mm-hmm. and adapting to other people that sense of adaptation almost like filipinos are really good at that mm-hmm. you can put us anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and we figure it out mm-hmm. because I mean, our education system, well, I say our, but the education system in the Philippines, like, you have to learn how to speak English. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're such, like, from a skills perspective, like, mm-hmm. we're such transferable workers, mm-hmm. and which is why we're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's our biggest export. We say that all the time, yeah. but it is our biggest work is the OFWs. For sure. And what's interesting, too, is, like, I've been hearing more and more about a lot of, apparently right now, there's, like, big Korean community in... Huge the philippines because wild yeah instead of sending their kids all the way to north america to learn english they're like well the philippines speaks great english so let's just send yeah our kids here and then a lot of them just fall in love with the country ended up setting up shop and then now apparently i don't know if it's officially called k-town but they're like it's an emerging community out there yeah no when that last time i was there there were so it was really like because i'm like that person doesn't look filipino and they like speak perfect tagalog and i was like whoa wow what's going on here and then that's a whole other piece of the 
like our like future history is going to be when this huge like population of Koreans come in and now they're having like they're getting to relationships with Filipinos mm-hmm. and there's going to be this crazy like I, I'm kind of excited to cultures. see what's going to happen like yeah. I, I love Korean food so maybe, <laughs> please somebody make me some kimchi lumpia I don't yeah. know <laughs> but that would be ooh that would there would be a lot of good fusion like bulgogi like bulgogi like skewers or, or something like, like that with some it up somehow mixed in <laughs> dude I'm telling you like if we could do a Kalbi salog oh or like a bulgogi salog oh <laughs> yes or right like we should figure that out yeah or like we a mu- kimchi sisig kind of mix oh, oh I would that be would be into good. that there's so many things yeah like pork bone soup yeah slash maybe sinigang who knows yeah yeah <sighs> there's a lot I'm telling you I'm super hyped for the food that's gonna come out <laughs> of this like new trend um that's awesome but yeah no there's a ton of koreans there yeah not even from like a tourism perspective but like yeah like tons of koreans that's Just sweet taking the taking taking advantage of it like why yeah. not yeah, yeah yeah oh that's sweet okay i'm gonna ask a little bit you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about basketball yeah. and let's talk about basketball and filipinos and basketball we love it love and it. <laughs> what was your relationship with it growing up oh it was everything yeah it's funny because, like, even just thinking about how big of a relation, like, I have a legitimate emotional relationship to basketball. It's wild to me. <laughs> um, growing up, I grew and you up, played too. I, I played, yeah. yeah, huge tomboy. Yeah, I thought my brother was the fucking coolest guy there. Like, I still think he's the coolest guy. <laughs> but like, my brother watching my brother play basketball with his friends, and like, he was my brother's like this natural athlete. Like, it drives me crazy because it's like, <laughs> how do you? How are you just good at stuff? Yeah, but he's a natural athlete, and I just like looked up to him so much. I also grew up from my cousin set, like out of, I think it was like, there's 20 something of us because there was 10. Big family. Yeah, yeah. Huge family. Out of all of the cousins, there's three girls. Oh, so wow. I So I grew up with all boys. So yeah. like basketball was like my way to fit in. Mm-hmm. And then I became good at it. And then I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to kick your asses. Yeah. So like, and then it became my way of being better than them. <laughs> so like. That's awesome though. <laughs> yeah. It became like this, like this sense of like, I don't know, like it just. And also, too, like, I always played with boys. So I played with boys, like, at family. And then a bunch of my, like, summer leagues were, like, typically all boys. Mm-hmm. So I became, like, I just, I was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Christmas Day, like, tradition NBA is watching <laughs> basketball with my brother and my dad. Yeah. And, like, it's just, it's funny because, like, my dad's not particularly good or anything. It's just, like, we love basketball so much. <laughs> and it's so funny. It's, like, basketball and sneakers. That was, like, if I think mm-hmm. about my childhood, like, that's what I remember. Yeah. Just playing basketball and then seeing what cool sneakers I can get. After. Yeah. And how do you think that, like, plays into the work that you're doing now? And especially for working with Nike, yeah, too. Yeah, it's where, the greatest. Yeah. It's so funny because it's just, like, people who knew me when I was in elementary school mm-hmm. and if I run into them, they're like, what are you doing now? I'm like, oh, they're like, aren't you working for the Raptors? I'm like, oh, I used to, but now I work for Nike. They're like, how the fuck did you land the two things that, like, that is you. Like, if yeah. anybody, like, if there was anybody that needed to work for a basketball team and then the shoe, a sneaker company, it's you. Yeah. And I was like, I've just been really lucky. Like, yeah. I just, like, have always, I don't know, I've definitely put it on the universe. Like, and also, too, like, felt very passionate about these things and very lucky to have been prepared to take the opportunities mm-hmm. when they're presented to me. I say lucky all the time. It's not luck. It's just, it's things working out in yeah. your favor yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's something, because you've been working towards it forever, mm-hmm. even even though if you don't know it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been like growing up being a sneakerhead and then also to like being a basketball person and then being able to like in my day to day, like use all the like weird references where people are like, what? Like, how did you remember that? Just yeah. like 
it's because it's what I love. Mm-hmm. I love talking about basketball and I love talking about sneakers and I love fashion and I love streetwear. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and the Filipino community here, like that's kind of that's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's <laughs> what it is. Like that's the uh, there's like a meme and it's like a Filipino Toronto starter pack and it's like a pair of silver bullet ninety seven. <laughs> A, a yellow toque I literally have a yellow toque on had my 97s on earlier and it was like a, there was like a basketball and I'm just like that's literally me and everybody else but yeah. like literally me it's like right the uniform now. yeah, yeah. I'm like uniform. wearing 97s right yeah. now I'm like oh my god I'm yeah. playing into stereotypes so hard but I love it no yeah. it's great yeah I've actually talked to some a couple of people have mentioned this to me they're like Filipinos always have the best style Mm -hmm. and I love this compliment I was like I'm totally gonna take this compliment for all Filipinos but they're saying how Filipinos are just so unapologetic about being themselves in their style and expressing themselves and I definitely recognize that instantly but I mean there's also just a different kind of style here in the east Mm -hmm. and Vancouver definitely is a bit more on the laid-back style streetwear isn't as prominent and things like that but I definitely recognize that immediately about Filipino Filipinos in Toronto and yeah. that inherent it's, coolness to I, it's, them. <laughs> it's funny because it's like I think about I always look at like what something is. So like Filipinos have great style, and then I try to think about why that is, mm-hmm. and I, I'm like, what about the culture and like what brought us here? Like how do we yeah. all kind of like it's it's not conforming. It's just yeah. who we are. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I always I always trying to find out like or like trying to understand a little bit why like historically why are we always super swaggy? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's just the thing. And like people always like people always like, you know, like Filipinos, like they can dance, they can sing, they can they can dress well, like they're typically pretty good looking. Like you know what I mean? Like people are just like, I don't understand like this weird like genetic code. Yeah. Somebody yeah, figure yeah, it yeah. out. And like but yeah, we are very lucky. Yeah, no, definitely. These days, what's your favorite shoe right now? My favorite shoe right now. Oh, um, I am really hard into just like Jordan ones. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah, classic. classic. I'm just like really I like I love a high good high top. Yeah. Um, my other favorite, which I actually only have like two pairs of, are blazers because they have that like they're just clean. They're mm-hmm. super clean and they're like affordable. Like totally. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're you can get them for like a hundred bucks and yeah. just like they just look so good with everything. Yeah. Yeah, blazers and Jordan ones. I just got my first pair of Jordan tens. Oh. Which I was excited about. Yeah. So. And that might be my new one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? It changes. Yeah. <laughs> Being in the position that you are in right now, mm-hmm. in terms of the campaigns that you've been part of, what has been your favorite story that you've been able to showcase? Well, the most recent one from an, I've only worked for um, Trevor Peter, so the agency, Nike's agency, for eight months. But we actually just wrapped an all for one uh, campaign. Right. Yeah. Where we highlighted for Toronto, Torontonians who use their craft to give back to the community. So it was like the unsung hero campaign. Um, I loved every second building that one alongside a incredible team here, but mostly just because like these four people were like doing really incredible things and giving are the busiest people I've ever met, but still take the time to give back to different charities. And it mm-hmm. was really cool. Selfishly, we put somebody from Rise into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was cool. So we got some visibility on that sense. But like, we definitely were able to really showcase these incredible people in our city and had a panel discussion. And out of that, so many, a lot of the attendees were like, yo, that was wicked. How do I help them? And I think that was like, we wanted to just essentially be the mechanism for people to get inspired to actually do something so we found a lot of people want to do something they just don't know how or they don't they just don't know how so that it really just became like the conduit to like this is how these are the people 
go talk to them. So yeah. that was really fun. At MLSC, I think the my favorite thing that I worked on was probably just launching the OVO and Raptors Oh, you were there for that, yeah. Yeah, it was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> it was fun because it was like a global thing. And Absolutely. there was so much impact. And I was just like, that's fucking crazy that like, that I got to do that. Like mm-hmm. I got to go to work and I got to like plan a Drake press conference and plan a Drake media tour. And like it was everywhere. <laughs> and I'm just like, how did I like, it would just be one of those surreal moments. Where I'm like, how did I even fucking get here? Yeah. But like, I'm That's... super stoked. I am kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, that one of the first things my friend, we were grabbing Korean food on Bloor and at this place called yummy Korean food restaurant. And it was very, yummy. I've been there. Yo, it's so good. <laughs> I've <there>. been there. <laughs> I'm um, familiar. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that place. But it was funny because <laughs> as soon as we sat down, Drake was playing. She's like, do you miss being in a city where Drake is constantly <laughs> playing everywhere? And I'm like, you know what? I like don't hate it. Yeah. This city, what I learned about Toronto that I really appreciated is how hard people ride for the people they ride for. Like, yeah, And for sure. truly like yeah, yeah, die yeah. hard for the Raptors, for someone like Drake, anybody in their city. And I think it was really great to see even like stuff that would come out and like Nike Toronto, how anyone that they would represent or try to put on in any of their campaigns, they really were behind them and mm-hmm. believed in them 100%. And I, I truly think that of a lot of the people who are born and raised here in Toronto or even transplants out here, that sure. people are really committed to whatever it is that they care about. So Yeah, I mean, I was I was not a Drake fan yeah. at all when <laughs> I was doing it. And I was like, not for no other reason other than yeah. like, I just, I like didn't really listen to him. Yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah, fair. But then I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, like I'm into this. And yeah. then like now I'm a Drake fan. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get it? Even... As a Canadian, now that I live in New York, like people will still make that joke. They're like, "So, do you listen to Drake all the time?" And I'm like, That's "So funny." I'm like, chill. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, but yeah, no. yeah. I'm like, yes. Every time you put something out, yeah, sure. We're all, but aren't we all also? Yeah. So that's yeah. funny but tell me about your family parties no they were the best four in the morning singing playing <laughs> whatever like just ridiculous amounts of food like yeah. i just that's like the one thing about filipinos that i don't think i appreciated it at the time because i just assumed everybody's family parties were like that yeah but they're not yeah like <laughs> like family parties are like so much fun like there's never a shortage of food yeah which is great there's never a shortage of someone being really loud and making something really funny or dramatic yeah there's never a shortage of basketball yeah it's just like one like so good it is yeah. so good i think the one thing i do feel a little sad about is that now in our like as we've gotten older we don't have as many we had one recently and it was like it felt old school like it mm-hmm. felt like mm-hmm. Like, it felt like when I was 12, again, because mm-hmm. everybody was there, and it was, like, super last minute. Like, it just, like, kind of happened. My my parents were going to my aunt's house, and they're like, do you want to come? Like, you're probably busy, but, you know, we're all going to yeah. Auntie D's. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I actually, I think I'm I'm free tonight. Yeah. And then, like, through it all. Oh, it happened cousin, real last minute. Like, super last minute. And then, like, like on the cousin chat, like, I was like, is anybody else going to Auntie D's tonight? And they're like, yeah, I'm going to pass by. And then everybody's like, oh, shit, you're going? Okay, cool, I'll come. Yeah. And it just became like, all right, cool. Like, are we just, we're ordering a bunch of food. Let's just go. Yeah. And it was just like nice. Like uh, walking in, nowhere for you to put your shoes. Yeah. Because there's so many shoes at the front yeah. door. <laughs> and they're all fire because yeah. they're all sneakers. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, cool. And then go like going up the stairs and just like being hit by like the smell of Filipino food and just like awesome. the sound of just like laughing. Yeah. It's such a, it's so good. And now like my cousins all have kids now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. Did you do... 
when you went to your family parties, did you do that money game where they threw money at an occasion, like New Year's or yeah, Christmas like, or something? Yeah, yeah, Christmas, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Year's, like yeah. Any, like that shit is fucking wild. I <laughs> love that. People are like fighting. Yeah, I remember a couple. Is that a Filipino thing? Is it? I don't know, but yeah, we I think totally it is. Done that too. because yeah. I don't think I think that's like a I think it's a Filipino thing because yeah. like your the the adults will like stay at the like the top. Or <laughs> my mom stands on a chair. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like they just like throw change. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that shit was so much. And fun. it's like toonies and loonies everywhere. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> totally. And before, I mean, like before there was toonies and loonies, yeah. we were just like mad, like. like <laughs> But, like, they wouldn't tell us they were going to do it. All of a sudden, they, you just hear the jingle of change, and people just fucking run. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, so much fun. No matter what age, you can get into that, Yo, too. I still, <laughs> they, like, jokingly did it at this last one, yeah. and we were like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody, like, stopped. And they like, just, like, looked. And, like, it was funny, because now it's, like, this next generation of young kids, and we're like, we can't wait for them to grow up so we can fucking throw money at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, by that time, I don't even know if there'll be, like, actual currency. Like, it, yeah. no one's going to, no one carries change on them anymore. I know, yeah. I mean, fuck, if they want to throw fives and tens like by all means <laughs> inflation anyway. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> what other filipino traditions are your favorites can you think of any i mean basketball is always a big one just like coming together and playing basketball mm-hmm. did your family do like a full-on like pickup game no but we would just go to my grandma's house yeah and then she had on her drive she had like a driveway net <laughs> yeah and we would just like every weekend like you knew you were doing it and like you knew you were going to play basketball yeah get real fucking dark yeah my mom would be so angry at me yeah come inside you're too dark that's so (sighs) colorism is a whole thing that i get real angry about (laughs) my mom she's like you're the only filipino you're the only one like all of your cousins like hide from the sun and you're like basking in it yeah i'm like hell yeah brown is beautiful mom like yeah is your mom light skin not even like i'm like your family's hella dark and (laughs) so is so is dad's family but i mean it's just i think it's just something that's been ingrained in their generation where like and you see it still to this day in oh, popular I, media I out mean, there. Well, I went to the Philippines, so really off topic because we're talking about traditions, but yeah. I went to the Philippines and then like I get really dark. I yeah. get really, really dark. And we went to a mall because that's what you do when you're in the Philippines. Yeah. Went to a mall Constant and like, we, were, like using, yeah, <laughs> we were like trying out these like massage chairs or whatever because we've been fucking walking around for 20 days straight. <laughs> so trying these massage chairs, uh, I was with my girl who's like white. And then my other girl, who's like a light-skinned Filipino girl. The white girl, light-skinned Filipino girl, and me. So it's like a gradient. <laughs> but like, they, one of the workers literally came up to my chair and turned it off and was like, get up. And I was like, I'm sorry? And yeah. then I, because I had a Canadian accent, yeah. she was just like, oh. You even said, that's a, one of the few times I've heard sorry. And I'm like, that's hella Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. No. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, okay. And then my two friends were like, do we have to leave too? And she like didn't know what to, she was just like, uh no it was the weirdest thing and i was like did i just get did i just get picked on because i was darker than you guys yeah this is so weird but yeah like and then even crazy in the philippines in the philippines and like they actually don't like it's funny because i get really dark so sometimes they don't even think i'm filipino like they Mm -hmm. just think we had to do the excursion and they had to like write your nationality and the front desk person like filled it out for us and wrote Indian. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, okay, cool. But what? Like how, like I'm clearly Filipino. And I think that's another thing too we were talking about growing up. I, when people s- would say that like, oh, I didn't know you're Filipino. Like I would kind of would, like bask in that. I'd be like, cool. But like now I'm like, no, I'm Filipino. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like go, go away. 
but yeah, that's a, um, what was the question though? No, I was just Traditions. Asking, yeah, no. Yeah, I mean like, it just honestly, family parties were, were so much fun. The the money throwing game was definitely a highlight. I think that must be a Filipino thing. I think it's a thing. Filipino thing. I don't think it's a thing that other people do because it's like dangerous. Yeah. It's so dangerous. Just chucking coins everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I have such a vivid memory of my mom doing it and just like fucking shouting, like shrieking as little <laughs> Filipino moms do. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. But it was like, it was I wish, lit. I yeah. wish that. I honestly wish there was like videos of it because it, it's hard to explain to people who don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. Because like you're just like, oh, so they just threw money at you and you caught it. You're like, no, it was like crazy. Like it's competitive. People, it's like competitive. people were shouting and like yeah, doing like, all that. I I was like one of those kids that would just like stay on the floor yeah. and just like grab everything. Oh yeah, yeah. What's your strategy? So you're on the floor and just <laughs> I, I like I would take real low and yeah. then just like get all the stuff that like doesn't get caught. Mm. But my brother had a wicked strategy because he's again natural athlete and just like. <laughs> the coolest guy would this is when like shirts were really baggy so yeah. he would just like take a shirt oh get, yeah i can't <laughs> even talk I, I don't even know how to explain that yeah to people who are listening but basically he would just like pull his shirt out and get the change and try to catch, catch the all. change with his shirt fuck that's smart and i was like that's smart that is and then strategy. he also used to like and one of my other cousins would like if he saw coins on the floor he would just like put his foot on it and like slide around so you couldn't I've get done them. that i've done that yeah like, try to hide yeah, and like the, the <laughs> try to grab as much as you can actually yeah and then because then it takes time to actually like physically pick it up so yeah. then that's actually a pretty good move because then you can just try to yeah cover as many as you can it always ended in somebody crying yeah which yeah, is yeah, yeah. funny but. i know <laughs> the only reason to do it is literally just to like collect as much money as you can <laughs> i think like the most i ever really got was like 18 dollars once and i was like that's a lot yeah <laughs> uh, that reminds me of like at weddings they do the money dance the money dance yeah yeah and that i that's a filipino thing that's as a, well. definitely a filipino thing yeah for sure. and i've seen like different different ways like people make like the train of it or like they the crown. Like, make a crown yeah yeah, yeah so. actually I, I saw um i saw it on instagram somebody that i follow she just had a bachelorette or not bachelorette a bridal shower yeah and you know the parole like the umbrellas like yeah, those yeah, paper yeah. umbrellas so they lined it inside with bills like just oh, like shit. hanging off the string it yeah. actually looked it looked really cute but it was like a thousand dollars because it was like jesus 50s and hundreds Fuck. i was like that's a fucking lot of money yeah and an umbrella <laughs> which is, it looked it looked cute yeah 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 that's one way to do it for sure Sweet. Okay, let's end it off with you. You guys must have used a Filipino towel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what did your household one look like? It was just like a white basic one. <laughs> a white. I think. Oh, you know what? Hold on. It was just. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whose it, this was or what house I was in, but I remember it was like a fucking uh, mascarpone cheese container. <laughs> Like, they just reused yeah. the container. I was yeah, like, yeah. yo, like, that's hilarious. Resourceful. Definitely was not mine. Yeah. Um, I can't. It w I think it was just, like, a white one. Yeah. I also remember, for some reason, you know, like, it's just a Canadian thing because yeah. we have bags of milk. Yeah. And this is, mind you, this is an East Coast thing, actually, because in Vancouver, it's not bagged milk. Oh, what do you guys have milk in? Jugs. Cartons. Yeah, no, that was something I had to get used to when I lived out here. I was like, the what? fuck is this? We would like buy, like I'd have to like, I worked in a small like architecture office out here and I would be sent like on your way out for lunch. Can yeah. you like grab milk? And then I was like, what the fuck? Like, do I buy the bag shit? Like, yeah, no, I'm not. That's so a lot of people are not used to that. Okay. <laughs> so apparently it's just a Toronto thing, but yeah, the, those can, those plastic containers that yeah. you put the bags of milk in, oh. that's what I remember that was being used. I don't, I don't even know if it was my house. My mom was very, my that's mom. That's kind of smart, actually. It's, it's like right it has a handle. Yeah. And it's small enough, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> um, my mom was very, it's funny, my mom was very proper. Her her family 
come from very like lawyers and doctors okay. and judges so very like very proper mm-hmm. so she didn't have any of that out oh really oh yeah she was like it wasn't it was she wasn't fucking with that at all oh wow yeah i've never heard of i mean i've heard of some filipinos like here in canada like not having it but like filipinos not having it at all oh i don't like, know if they had she might have had it back home but like here like she just like it's not a didn't thing have it in used. the house yeah yeah we didn't really use it oh yeah fair enough no that's always like (laughs) that's always a funny one to just like ask originally i thought we'd ask that question just like once in a while but i've just been curious every time that like persians have it too yeah but it's like gold it's gold it's it's like crazy it's like real fucking bougie (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. i've like i have never seen one it's a water a persian friend of mine she was like we used uh, a watering can like a flower watering can and but hers was red but i I'm sure I've, people I've seen, have like, bougie ass ones. Well, like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> like, one of my girls married a Persian, and she was like, his table is like real bougie. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Like, why would it need to be bougie? Yeah. She's like, I don't fucking know, but like, I think there's gold in it. And I'm yeah. like, what? Like, come on, man. And maybe we need to step our game up because, like, so. I think maybe I need to have one in my house. Yeah, like, yeah I live yeah. on my own or yeah. like, with a roommate. Yeah. But like, maybe I should like reinstate that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Just a quick, <laughs> quick tabo. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. That's Wait, what did yours look like? I actually, funny enough, we've evolved. So the one, <laughs> we definitely used to have the, I can't believe it's not butter. Yes. And then we also had the like strawberry yogurt. Um, oh, the tall one. Yeah, the tall one. Because you could really like grab them. Yeah, I feel yeah. That. And like, it was funny because somebody told me once that, um, or I th- used to think like, oh, it's so flimsy, but actually you can grab it a little yeah, bit yeah. more, but the handle is pretty useful. My mom has a whole setup now with like a little hook and yeah. So that's she, so funny. Yeah. yeah I'm going to bring it back. Yeah. I think I need one in my house. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to like go shopping for one and like see like, where would you go f- look for one? I think I would just, I don't, I don't know. I come kind of into this flowering can idea. Yeah. Like the dollar store. <laughs> yeah. Although it would be, I don't know. It would be a hard <laughs> thing to like explain to somebody. I actually would be, I would be really interested in taking a, doing a photo series yeah of just tabos yeah and then like that would be really funny actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it's and good. everyone has a different one so yeah. right and yeah i've seen i've heard like measuring cup ones i've, like, I've heard that yeah I, the, I always get weirded out by anything that's like food i guess they're all food, food related <laughs> but like if that's just like it's like a bizarre thing yeah like yeah, this, yeah. it's weird <laughs> sweet no i think plenty that we have to work sweet. with thank you so much <laughs> for getting together and meeting with me so last minute here in toronto but it was really great to hear about everything that you're doing with rise with your job and like and i think it's great to know that there are people like you behind the scenes really making sure that the people and the stories that you're trying to highlight and showcase through these bigger brands that often might not have the the right people behind it it's great to hear and see that you have all the right intentions and you're genuine and you're kind and you're all of these things and it's sweet i can't wait to see what you get up to and what rise gets up to etc and yeah it seems like toronto's in really great hands so yeah trying to shift things but yeah thanks so much for having me and also to like dope idea for a podcast and like i can't wait to hear you know like everybody else's stories yeah yeah yeah. no we definitely just want to try to connect with as many people as we can like we're gonna hopefully be around and just continue to have these conversations and my goal is just to hit as many cities as we can and like get people from all over and you know right now there's a bias with i mean in terms of access like new york vancouver and toronto are kind of like the three 
three major hubs but mm-hmm. yeah we for sure kind of want to tap into a lot of these other communities especially the ones that maybe don't have as big of a filipino population because mm-hmm. i think there are some really interesting stories in terms of different ways that people have grown up in paths sure. that they've taken because of that so for sure yeah thank you you're welcome thank you Thanks again for tuning in to another episode, which sadly didn't have Mal this time around because I couldn't convince her to come to Toronto. But I realized that this is actually the debut of our Toronto-based guest. So thank you to Abby for starting it off. You can find her at Abby Albino. Her organization, Rise, at Rise underscore tribe or risetribe.ca. So if you're Toronto-based or anywhere close by to there, please check them out. Uh, In the meantime, let us know what you're thinking, feeling. Uh, We're always looking for good articles. DM us at Parasakanya, even if they're memes. We're cool with that. Till then. Bye. Is cut throat, I'm not the same man, and I can let you check the tag now. I'm rocking name brand, I'm only chasing at the bags. Now I got a game plan, and I'm out here with the 700 three i fives look alive, look alive.